We use our phones for everything at this point, and I am absolutely guilty of that. I look up recipes on my phone. I meal plan on my phone. I use my GPS, even though I know where I'm going. (laughs) (laughs) But did you know that you can also use your phone for some sexy me time? Don't worry. Your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters. Discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. And there's a growing library of fantasy series with vampires, Greek gods, and fairy smut to explore the bounds of your pleasure. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and sexy written stories to read. Let Dipsy be your go-to place to spice up your me time. Explore your fantasies, relax and unwind, or even heat things up with a partner. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash justbreakup dipsystories.com slash just break up. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like the energy requirements of long distance dating, the unruly timeline of grief, and the temptation of getting back with the ex. Wow. I know it's going to be a great episode. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that Sierra and I are not licensed mental health practitioners. Um, We're barely podcast hosts. That's not true. We have like 200 and some episodes under our belt. We are like experienced (laughs) podcast hosts, actually. Uh, So let's give ourselves credit for at least that. But we are not uh, mental health professionals. We are not trained in this. Uh, So please take our advice as you see fit. We are only here to offer our very humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. All right. Welcome to 2023, Sam Blackwell. Shit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I remember when f- like, oh my God, 2008 is going to be like so far in the future. Like I'm going to be in college or whatever. And now it's like 2023, like just unimaginable. Yeah. That that number when, when, when it turned over to the 2000s, I remember being like, how are we going to say it in the 20s? Like that felt so clunky. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yep. Every year feels clunky and then you just adjust to it. And ain't that the truth about so life? So true. So true. <laughs> Where were anyway, you on Y2K? What was what was going on in your life? I actually have a great memory. <laughs> um, I was at my grandparents' house for some reason, and my grandfather, who passed away in December of 2001, so like the following holiday season, um, mm-hmm. I was there alone with my grandfather. I've, I have no idea why. Like, I don't know where my parents were or my family because I was there yeah. alone with him. And I we were watching the stuff on television at, you know, the New York City celebration. And I fell asleep and he woke me up um, 
during the countdown because he's like, I think you'll want to see this. And so we watched oh. the ball. I know. Isn't that precious? He was a very special man. I'm like tearing um, up. That's such a cute story. <laughs> it was actually, I thought of it when I, when I mentioned it earlier, I'm glad you asked me because uh, it is a cherished memory of mine. I love so, that. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Where were you? Not like, just so you know, this 2023, we're talking about 2001. Yeah, we're going back, Obviously we're going back 23 we cannot years. let go of the past. <laughs> so don't take our advice. Um, my mom was a nursing home administrator. So she like ran a nursing home. Mm-hmm. And because everyone was like so scared that all of the computers were going to like crash <laughs> when we turned from 1999 to 2000, we had to go to the nursing home and be there for it in case like all of the like machines went down and my mom had to like jump into action. So I spent yeah. Y2K in a nursing home, like on like a, a, lazy boy covered with plastic, like with a bunch of like elderly people, like watching the ball drop. So we had to see if the world was going to collapse. Yeah. You just had like 30 more grandpas. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Also, I was saying 2001. I did not mean that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Okay. Uh, but we're back to the present 2023. We've been doing this podcast for four and a half years now. Um, crazy to be in this new year with you and our wonderful JBU. So exciting! It is exciting. Um, when we, you know, we started in 2018, and that number seems like a thousand years ago, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, But so, I thought we could share some New Year's resolutions, and if and if not resolutions, I'm not really sure if I connected that word. Um in terms of what we're about to share, uh, maybe some intentions or, or ideas that we want to take into this next season of our life. Um, and Sam and I were like laughing as we were talking when we were prepping for this episode that we have a couple funny ones, um, and then some more serious ones. So we're each going to share two. Do you want to go first? Um, yeah. Uh, my funny one is get a job. <laughs> Like, I realize that that's, like, kind of serious, but, like, as somebody who's, like, unemployed, it's like, yeah, okay, well, I gotta find, gotta find a job. Sam got laid off. If you've missed that, he's processing through his feelings and is bringing this excellent intention into the new year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Finding a job or like a way to live, you know, like, yeah, maybe that's not a job. Maybe that's just a bunch of other things that like bring me money. We'll see. <laughs> that bring me money. <laughs> um, my uh, not so serious um, intention is to stop getting haircuts. OK, so if you don't follow me on Instagram, <laughs> I just got a phenomenal haircut like a couple of weeks it ago. It looks so where, good. I love it. Like shag with um, cute shaggy bangs and it and it like suits my face and my hair really well. It's just here. And, and, the, and the stylist did a wonderful job. Um, yes. But I've like joked about how I just need to never get bangs again. Here's the thing, folks. I am not a fancy haircut kind of person. And I need to know that about myself. That's my intention. It's like moving into the new year being like, you're not a fancy haircut lady. Get it together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And just like accept who you are, you know, that's that's my journey this year. Absolutely. My other silly one is that I'm going to start wearing more clothes in my color palette. So girl, I told you forever. 
gray is your favorite color, but it washes you out. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently it does. Every time I wear clothes, Sierra has told me that I'm a warm autumn, whatever that means. Um, and every time I wear clothes that warm autumns are supposed to wear, people comment on it. And I'm yes. like, okay, so this is this is actually true because people are yeah. like, look at you. And I'm like, yep. you never say that when I'm wearing gray or white or black, which are the three colors that I only wear. <laughs> so maybe I should like choose some different ones. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what is your more serious uh, resolution or intention for 2023? Uh, my serious one is that I am going to... Um, try and trust myself more, um, to be able to handle things as they come up. I think that like my, my experience with therapy in this last year was like a sort of intentional, like breaking apart in order to like rebuild. Um, and what has come of that is really this idea that like, I can trust myself more than I thought that I could. Um, and this idea of like, the practice isn't necessarily like not having bad emotions or not sort of going to bad places, but instead having the resiliency to like recognize what's coming up for me and knowing that I can handle it or knowing that there are ways that I can support myself in the face of those bad feelings or in the face of those bad things. That's been a really big challenge for me because I haven't known how to have those types of emotions without them being too big for me to handle. And so now I think that this year is going to be the year of what does it look like to have those types of emotions and recognize that they are something that I can handle, that they're not too big. Um, so that's what I'm going to be focusing on this year. Mm, I love that. Uh, I love the idea of trusting yourself more because I feel like we, at the beginning of our mental health journeys, it's like, oh, I don't trust myself because I was broken or because I am afraid or anxious or whatever. And in the middle of those journeys, we're like, well, I also don't trust myself because I'm not fully healed enough or I Mm -hmm. um, I haven't. Because now I know all of these lies that I tell myself all the time. Yes, totally. So (laughs) so I am continually inconsistent and unreliable. But really it's saying like, I am all of this at once and I am like whole even as I become. And I what I have now, the perspective I have now, the opinions and intuition I have now is trustworthy, you know? For sure. And to be clear, like, I don't, I don't see myself as like, I'm healed. You know what I mean? Like it is more of like a, I know the places in which I have triggers. I know the places where I, um, where I tell myself lies about things and that self-awareness allows me to, and I can trust that self-awareness around it, right? Like I know myself well enough to be able to say like, this is the place where I, this thing happens and I immediately start telling myself these stories. So what do I want to do with that information? I love that. My resolution is um, based on something I saw Sonia Renee Taylor recently say online, and she was talking about like self love and the purpose of your life and, you know, how you can help other people or how, you know, what is and isn't your responsibility. And she talked about the journey of truly knowing and loving yourself as the assignment. She said, you are the assignment. Through a couple episodes, I have talked about like the annoying revelation that it is all about loving yourself, (laughs) that it is all about 
giving yourself what you long for from others, from from society, from your parents, from your partner, and and really finding mm. that within yourself. And that's an annoying revelation because you're like, ah, damn it. So now I have to do the work <laughs> of loving myself. Like I, it's it's yeah. it's not enough that I have a good partnership now. It's not enough that I have good friendships. It's not enough that I have achieved my professional and personal goals. I still have this longing inside of me for something. And it's truly a relationship with myself. And I know that's um, simultaneously simple and incredibly complicated and a really heady thing to say at the top of our episode. <laughs> or not heady, um, but oh, like... Oh, for sure. Yeah. We didn't pick like, I'm going to read seven books. We were yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm going to yeah. do this we really like, intense self-work. And, and try to love myself. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. so what I'm going to do is go into this year telling myself I am the assignment of 2023. I am the assignment mm. and my relationships and my work projects and my endeavors are only going to be made stronger if I have a stronger relationship with myself, if I am enriching myself. Like I think we have this false narrative that like if I prioritize myself and my happiness and and really getting to know and nurture myself that, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh, well, I can't do that because I have to take care of my baby. I, I can't do that because I have to cater to sure. not cater. That's the wrong word. But like I have to care for my wife. I have to nurture our relationship so that she still loves me. Right. But the trick is all of our things are made better or, or, or are illuminated more by our own understanding of ourselves. And mm. I just have to trust that everything good will stay and become better as I love myself more. For sure. If it's, For if sure. it's meant to stay around, if it can keep up. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. So uh, this is for all of you out there. You are the assignment of 2023. And we're so happy to have you as listeners and members of the Just Break Up community. That's great. You want to get into these letters? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. The first letter comes to us from 2% charged, whose pronouns are he, him, or they, them, who is writing to us from The Void. Hi, Sam and Sierra. On a recent episode, you mentioned that distance can be an incompatibility, specifically highlighting that quote, it would have worked out if it weren't for X, Y, Z. I'm a cis bi man and I'm dating a lovely, kind, patient man. Let's call him Ben. He's the most wonderful person I know and his genuine kindness and love have helped me heal and grow beyond prior abusive relationships. And he brings out the best in me and all that lovey-dovey gooey stuff. We've been dating for a little over a year now with a significant portion of it being long distance, including now. And while things have been tough with distance, we always seem to make things work, talk things out, work together to solve problems and find time to be with one another. However, when I am tired or have had a long day, I don't often have the energy to call to talk. And when we were in person, not distance, I was still happy to spend time with Ben quietly just to feel his presence, but there isn't really a viable alternative with distance. FaceTimes or calls without talking don't feel as fulfilling or restorative in the same way. And when I'm going through a tough time, distance tend to make things worse because I want to seek that quiet time and physical presence. I can handle tough times and being tired by myself. And there are other ways to get past things. But at what time do you know that having your partner there is a need or just something that would be nice to have? 
because I can handle these things on my own. Does it make it a want and not a need from a partner? I know if I was going through a major life event like a death in the family, that it would make sense, but it's less clear cut surrounding times when I'm just really tired or overwhelmed with life. I tend to dismiss my own needs as wants often, so I'd love some pointers or advice. Best, 2% charged. All right, 2% charged. Thank you so much for writing. Um, And... Yeah, I think that this is a really interesting question that you're asking around what are the differences between wants and needs and how do you know what is a want and what is a need? Yeah. Um, especially when there are parts of it that are like, well, I can do that for myself. It would be nice if my partner would be able to do that. But is it being selfish by asking for that or saying that that's a requirement? Um, and I think the the impulse that lots of us have to diminish our own needs of saying, oh, well, that's not that important, right? Uh, mm-hmm. This this other thing is more important or um, I, I don't need to be asking for all of that, especially if I can do it myself. Um, so I appreciate you asking this question because I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of conversation here and a lot of folks will probably relate to, to yeah. having difficulty distinguishing between those two things. Yeah. And maybe this is just me, but especially in the time of Instagram therapy and I don't know, like podcasts like ours <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that right. are like, get what you want, <laughs> uh, you know, you know, uh, have healthy boundaries, um, make sure that you are prioritizing your own happiness, which are all true things. It can almost feel like pressure um, or it can almost feel like uh you're doing something wrong if you're not wholly happy all the time. Does the, do you, mm-hmm. does that resonate with you? Like, I yeah, feel absolutely. like it makes it even harder to discern what to discern what a need or a want is when you might feel pressure to feel happy all the time or to feel um, like you're not settling at any time. Um, yes, and plus, absolutely. You know, the difference between wants and needs is like so many things in life. It's it's malleable. It changes day to day and Mm -hmm. um, it's not as black and white as we think it is. Obviously, there are wants, excuse me, there are needs like um, you're not allowed to physically harm me. You know, that's that is a that is a need. That is a hard line. Uh, Yeah. Right. For sure. For sure. A want would be like I would I want you to not communicate to me in like by yelling like I want that. But I can't. Mm -hmm. That is not. That's a more malleable line because like I can't control every scenario we're ever going to get into ever. So, but it's hard to discern. Like, do I, I'm like deeply triggered by yelling. So do I say that that is a need that that my partner absolutely cannot do that at all times? I give this example just to say, I think that the idea of needs and wants is more um, nuanced than I think those, the, the conversations that we're having, um, I, I say that just to say the idea of needs and wants, I think, is more nuanced than um, a, upon first glance. Absolutely. And I, I think that there's like a, a sort of like bootstrappy mentality uh, that sort of informs this as well, where it's like, if it's not a need, then you should be able to live without yeah, it. Buck up. <laughs> and if it exactly and needs are, do you have food? Do you have shelter? Right. And even those things in this country are often not actually provided in any meaningful way. Um, So really, really fucking ourselves over in that sense as well. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> but um but I think when it comes to relationships, um, right, we're we're often told that like you either you should sacrifice everything in order to like be everything to your partner, or you should never sacrifice ever. Like you should never compromise. Uh, cause compromising is like diminishing your own power or whatever. Right, exactly. Um, and it's really hard to navigate the, the, the infinite complexity between like, <laughs> between like, yeah. And also I, I just want a partner who's going to be able to like sit with me when I'm tired. <laughs> like that doesn't yeah, feel like an totally. unreasonable thing for, for us to be totally. asking for. Yeah. Um, so the, I guess the question for you is like, right, how does this play out in your relationship and how does it play out for you? Um, right. I, I don't think that it's unreasonable for you to end this relationship because your partner can't be there for you f in a physical way when you're tired. Right. Like if you if you're in this situation and you're like, this isn't working for me. Right. Cool. Absolutely. I believe you. And I think that you should you should find a relationship that's going to meet your needs better than this one does. And it's also okay for us to be in relationship with folks and not get everything that we need all the time, right? It's okay for us yes. to say, um, wow, I'm feeling really tired. Um, and I also see that my partner is going through something too, and they're also very tired. So like, I guess we have to figure out what it looks like for us to be tired with each other, right? Yes. It would be really nice if they were like full of energy and could like bring me soup or whatever, but like, it doesn't seem like that's a possibility. But that doesn't mean that we're we're doing something wrong. It just means that our circumstances are preventing us from both getting what we want in this moment. And that's okay. That's I think that's like a normal part of relationships. I think that that's like a the ebb and flow of what people are able or willing to give. Um, and as long as it's not like a pattern of somebody denying you the things that you're asking for, right? Like it's understandable that sometimes we don't always get what we want out of relationships. Yeah. And I think hardships like, you know, feeling burnt out or tired or feeling disconnected, you know, only illuminates um, shortcomings in relationships. And I, I say shortcomings. That's like a strong word. I just mean like, you know, it's it is. Maybe the distance is really easy on a good day and then it's a lot harder on a hard day. And that makes perfect sense. This is the perfect time to remember that all of our choices in life, particularly in relationships, have opportunity costs. Like, you know, anywhere from choosing to one career path um, over the other to choosing to be in a long distance relationship over being alone or over being in partnership with somebody in your own city um, mm. that, you know, you can just do the best that you can to weigh the the impact of this opportunity cost of being together in person on those hard days. You know, uh, you have to, I know it's hard, but if you, if you listen to this episode and, and think, nope, I really, I really want to be with this person. I've decided that this is, this is just my, my want speaking loudly or my want showing up bigger on harder days. You know, you want to be with this person in person and on harder days that, that, that want is like more apparent. Um, 
if you decide, nope, this is all okay, then you have to accept the limitations of your relationship as is and say, Mm. I am choosing to be with this person, even though I don't have access to them on hard days. I'm choosing to be with this person because we have this shared relationship vision to to be in person again in the future or or whatever the scenario is. Um, I think Mm. being like radically honest and accepting about what the limitations of your relationship are will make those hard days not easier, but more palatable, right? Like I'm choosing this. I'm choosing to be with this person. I'm choosing to go through these hard days physically alone because of X, Y, and Z. Or you can say, you know what? I'm choosing this and it does not feel right to me. It does not feel Mm. right for me to choose to be with somebody who can't be present in my life the way that I want. I also want to say that in my current relationship, um, before I moved to live with my wife and we got married, we were long distance for a year. And while that's not my first long distance relationship, it was the first relationship in which I was able to, at the end of a long, hard day, as much as I craved being with her, as much as I longed to, you know, have her distract me or make me feel better or just sit with me or hold me, you know, on those long, hard days. And I felt wiped and I just, I I didn't, you know, my battery was on 2%, right? I was able to say to her, you know, I've had a really long day. I I just sort of want to sit in silence. Um, I, I, don't have a lot to say right now. Are you okay if I call you back later? Or or a lot of times we would say like, I'm so tired. Like, I think I'm just going to like lay in bed and space out. Can I text you? And then we would like kind of text throughout the night, but like at mm-hmm. a pace that was not so um, demanding, you know? And then I felt like I could show up much more authentically. And I, it, this was the first relationship that I felt secure enough to say, I wasn't so desperate to spend time with them or afraid that me asking for time alone meant something bad about our relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and in turn, my wife was secure enough to, to trust me when I say, I just need some alone time or I'm really tired because even when you're together, even in person, your capacity to be in the same room together or in conversation together or whatnot always ebbs and flows. Like I'm a pretty social person. I like spending time with my wife all the time. And that fact right there changes day to day. (laughs) Not Mm -hmm. that I like Mm -hmm. my wife, not that that changes, but like that, oh, I'm having a hard day and I want to spend time with her. Oh, I'm having a hard day. And I really actually just want to take a bath by myself. Oh, I'm having a hard day. And today I want her to distract me and, and take me on an adventure like that. Our, our, that changes all the time. I think Sierra's sort of getting at the fact that like long distance relationships are hard, right? And and it isn't possible for you in this situation to have your partner there just quietly knowing that their presence is is there. So it's really sort of up to you to decide, are these things that are um, trying to get at some of that, that clo- closest and intimacy enough for you as they were for Sierra and Willow? Or is it something that's going to, make or break this relationship. Um, right. And both options are okay, right? Like they are both available to you and, and it's not like you're doing something wrong by saying, nope, you know what? I can't do this in this way. And there's nothing wrong with you saying, 
it's uncomfortable. Um, it's not my preference. And also I'm going to keep doing it because I love this person and I want to be with this person. And, and I have faith that someday we'll be able to be in each other's presence more often. Um, so I know that that's like not great advice because <laughs> like we're both like both options work, baby, but like, uh, this baby. sort of idea, <laughs> but that's really what we're telling you. Um, and I guess, I guess what I want to like offer you is that like you have permission to do either of these things. There is no yes. right or wrong in the situation and it's up to you to decide how this relationship fits into your life and whether or not these like uncomfortable sort of um, crunchy moments are going to, are something that you can put up with or something that are, are so challenging for you that you're, you're not able to move forward. Um, and, and it's okay that it's okay if they're too crunchy and it's okay if you're willing to, to sit in that crunchiness. Um, so, so our advice to you is to, to, to find ways to figure that out for yourself. Yeah. All right, my darling, thank you so much for listening and for trusting us with this question. We hope it helps. We love you. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. 
All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter comes from Voldemort's ex-girlfriend, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing from the void. Also, I just said Voldemort out loud. I'm not supposed to do that. (laughs) Dear Sierra and Sam, I'm a 32-year-old cis woman, she, her, a romantic and empath, an extrovert, a big heart, and a history of depression and anxiety. A year ago, pretty much exactly to this day, I went through the worst breakup of my life. It was with a 35-year-old man, he, him, let's call him Bill, for four years. A tumultuous and toxic relationship through and through that ultimately ended in me getting my heart broken and losing everything, my home, my friends, my job, while he left me unscathed to be with another woman. But this isn't entirely about him. This letter is mostly about who I met afterwards. Not four months into the worst winter of my life, I met Bruce, he, him, on a dating platform I signed up for when I was desperately lonely and wanted someone to ease the pain in bed. Bruce is the best person I know. He is kind, genuine, reliable, and so much fun. I could not have painted a more compatible person for me if I tried. And he's fucking hot. You guys, I am telling you, I did not think I would ever meet such a guy. I obviously compared him to Bill so much I couldn't help it, but the comparisons were, wow, Bruce offered to drive me to the airport. Bill used to kick up an absolute fuss if I asked him to drive me two minutes down the road. Bruce gives me a kiss in the morning when we wake up, and Bill used to ask me not to talk to him for the first hour of the day. Bruce texts me sometimes just to say hi. Bill went away for a week with no contact, and when I asked him four days in how he was doing, he told me I was suffocating him. Bruce introduced me to his whole family. Bill's mother didn't even know about me until a few years in. I could go on and on about how much more compatible this person is and how wonderful it feels to be loved by him. I have always had an anxious attachment style, which gets even worse when coupled with an avoidant attachment styles. I'm sure that you can deduct from above that Bill was extremely avoidant. With Bruce, I understand for the first time in my life what it is to feel securely attached and that I am not resigned to always be anxiously attached in my interpersonal relationships. So what's the problem? I want to be with Bruce more than anything, but sometimes I feel like I am forcing the happiness when I am actually still drowning in grief. I cannot stand the idea of losing him, but when I think back on the beginning of our relationship, all I think about is how much pain I was in the whole time. I still feel the pain. It's so visceral and all-encompassing. I haven't hidden it from Bruce. He knew what happened, and I've spoken to him a lot about it. I've even cried about it. Another testament to how emotionally intelligent and secure this person is literally holding his new girlfriend as she cries over her ex-boyfriend. I hate that our love story is shrouded in pain, and I don't know how to get rid of that association. I was so hesitant to be with him. I felt like it was wrong of me, and I should have taken more time to heal before starting this relationship. But I didn't want to miss out on knowing him. 
Is it wrong to begin a relationship when you are so emotionally invested in an ex? Is it wrong of me to share these things with him? How do I trust myself when I say that I love Bruce because he is good for me and we have a good relationship and not just because being with him has soothed my heart? What exactly constitute a rebound and can they really truly work out in the end? I hate that Bill still has this power over my heart. When I do not love him, I do not ever want to be with him. I do not wish we worked things out. And I do not believe that there is a possible future for us. He is my bleep. Sorry, Sierra. I don't know his name, but I'm talking about your he who must not be named X. <laughs> I actually refer to Bill as Voldemort to my peers. I know his memory and betrayal will haunt my future. And how do I live with this truth and still have the capacity to give myself and my heart fully to the man I truly believe is the one for me, my sweet Bruce? Thank you so much for reading this. Writing it has helped me unravel some thoughts about this whole process, but I would absolutely love to hear some humble musings from my friends. Aw, my darling. Thank you so much for writing and for trusting us with this letter. Uh, first of all, I can't talk about my he who must not be named person because we have a running tally going about <laughs> if I talk about that person more or Sam talks about the book Ace more. And so we're in a little bit of a competition, so I can't talk about him today. <laughs> but that was a very charming reference. Um uh, yeah, thank you so much for writing. This is so relatable. It is so understandable that your heart is feeling all of these things at once. And I know that Sam has some questions about your relationship with Bruce. Um, and I have... <laughs> Throw me under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought we both had some questions. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just you, buddy. Okay, great. Just I'll just forget you. that conversation we had just, before we started recording. <laughs> I just was trying to set you up. This is a, it's like a vibe. It's a it's an energy. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I don't even remember what I was gonna say. <laughs> I don't know. No, okay. This is what I was gonna say. But I want to first just say before Sam has all of his questions about Bruce. <laughs> Man, four and a half years in, we're still just a hot mess. Um, <laughs> Always. You know, I just want to say that we are never fully healed in the way we picture, I don't know, like wounds healing. Do you know what I mean? Or bo broken bones healing. I think that sure. we we think about our emotional healing the way that we think about like our physical bodies healing from um, injury, like you break the bro the incident happens and then you go to the doctors and you get a splint or a cast or whatever. And then you wait and there's swelling and then there's these different stages of grief. But that one day that bone is fused back again. And hypothetically, it is as good as new. <laughs> as somebody who recently broke an elbow, uh, never as good as new. I will never have the same mobility in my arm. It is always stiff. It is like feels weird most of the time. So I think that actually that's a good transition because like the metaphor, like that isn't actually how healing happens, right? Yay. Thank you, Samuel. Um, and, and I, you know, to apply a physical healing to an emotional one, one uh, 
you know, an emotional healing that is ever unfolding. You know, I still have revelations mm-hmm. about relationships I had decade ago, a decade ago. I'm still For realizing sure. things and better understanding that dynamic, better understanding how I showed up in them. So let's just like dump that understanding of our own emotional healing that it's not linear. It doesn't happen like a scab or, you know, a scar. It doesn't happen like a broken bone, or maybe it does to Sam's point. (laughs) Um, And that we're, we are always going to be stiff. We're always going to be different. We will always Mm. be changed by the relationships that we go through um, and the experiences and the traumas and the choices and the regrets and, and all of it. Like, We are all shaped by our lives and the expectation that we move in and out of relationships and move in and out of chapters of our lives, like fully closed and fully, you know, opened new, closed, open new, you know, that's, that's so, that's an impossible expectation of ourselves. And I know that there's a lot of rhetoric out there, especially in relationship advice about rebounds and about like healing yourself before you move on. And that's all nice And it's just not realistic. Like, it's just our hearts are too complicated. Our healing trajectory is too um, nebulous. And we bring our past into our future all of the time. We are always one with what happened to us as we move forward. Yeah, absolutely. That's, I mean, that's so true. Or like, at least that really resonates with my experience. Um, which is that like, I wasn't fully healed from painful relationships in the past when I started dating Peter. And like that definitely came out in how our relationship functioned, my own sort of like triggers around stuff that was happening. Um, And I continued to heal in partnership with Peter, right? Like, and, and I didn't need to be fully healed to be in a relationship. Did the the wounds that I was carrying like affect the relationship that I was in? Absolutely. And like Peter knew that I wasn't coming in fully, like fully pure or whatever, right. That I had this right. past and, and was interested in working through that past with me. Um, and from that, we have been able to forge like a very strong relationship. And I still look back at those past relationships with some regret, with some, with some pain. Uh, it feels different now that I have, you know, 10 years of distance from them rather than like three years or yeah. whatever it was at the time. Um, but, but I, I don't think it's reasonable for us ex- to expect ourselves to be fully healed from relationships in order to have another one. But instead the question should be, are the people that we are now in relationship able to support us in our growth and healing yes. in a way that's sustainable for them and for us. And right, if we're because- at a point where we're like, this healing is, is a detriment to the relationship that I'm in, then like we need to have a conversation about whether or not the relationship is functioning. But if you are both consenting to this and you are both doing it in ways that are sustainable and nutritious for you, like, cool. That's, that's what relationships are, right? Like mm-hmm. about healing together, about growing together, about sort of helping each other in our understanding of ourselves. Um, not about like two people who come in and are perfect and only have each other and nothing else is happening out, out, elsewhere in their lives. Yeah, I agree. And I want to say to my, um, past hauntings shall not say a specific name <laughs> to maintain <Great. laughs> my lead in this tally. Uh, uh-huh. Um, I, you know, 
I have been haunted by so many relationships and so many paths that I went down and so many choices that I had, you know, because I was confused as to why I acted that way or I was angry because of how somebody treated me, yada, yada. Um, but we we process that that in real time as we go, you know, I, yes, I had these ghosts of past relationships as I came into my current one. And, you know, nothing exercises ghosts more than like the light of a healthy, stable, secure relationship. You know, you sure. think you're fucking healed, like have a healthy relationship man. <laughs> and that shit will come out of the woodworks, man. <laughs> It'll be like, ah, what is no this? Play. Why did well, this you know happen? What? To the, like jokes aside, I just the other day, Willow and I had like a really like a hard conversation. And at the end of it, we were like reflecting. And I said, you know, I feel like our relationship is so safe and healthy that there's, there's no place for us to hide in it. Like our bullshit is so apparent or, you know, like when we are, when we are not being our best selves or when we are being triggered or something, it's so apparent because it can't be hidden by anything else. You know, it, it, we're, mm-hmm. we're too communicative or, or whatnot. Um, I don't mean that to like tout my relationship health, but you know, it, this is just to say we do process things um, from the past all the time. That's just a part of our healing um, experience. So do you yeah, want to talk about absolutely. Bruce? <laughs> <laughs> We don't talk about Bruce on this show. Yay, cute, cute, um, cute, cute, cute. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I. He's blushing. <laughs> I'm not blushing. Mm. Um, it's just your complexion because you're wearing your warm autumn. Absolutely, and also I blush at the sound of my own name. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think that there's. There is something to be said about the ways in which we can go from a really toxic and bad relationship into relationship with another person who is nice to us and we want to be with them because they are an antidote to the yes. the burn that we had in that past relationship, even if we are not necessarily compatible with that person, right? Um, and I just want to offer up to you some musings about whether or not somebody being willing to drive you to the airport is like a core compatibility or not. (laughs) (laughs) And I just say this because like the things that you have said about Bruce are things that you might say about a nice person in your life, but are, but you didn't talk about any of the actual like core compatibilities that you two share with each other. Um, in terms of like your life and goals, like the way that your relationship works, your, the types of communication that you have, right. The examples that you gave me were things that I would expect like a very nice friend to do for you. Um, and so my only concern is that you might be sort of using this idea of like, I'm not healed from this past relationship as a way to look at this, this relationship that you're in and say like, this isn't actually working. Like there's nothing wrong with it because this man is so nice, but it's also not the relationship for me. So as you're considering whether or not this relationship is for you, I want you to be thinking about whether or not you're compatible, not necessarily whether or not you are too unhealed to be in this relationship, right? Like, are there things beyond just 
he introduced me to his family, right? Or he texts me sometimes, or he kisses me in the morning that are, that are demonstrating that this relationship has more depth than, oh, this person is just doing nice things for me when I didn't have nice things before. Does that make sense? A hundred percent. I mean, (laughs) I think you said it perfectly when you're saying like somebody's niceness can be a salve for a burn, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Does that make you, I don't, I don't, I believe in this relationship. Like, I think that this is a good relationship for you right now. And also it serves you to explore where your comfort and your feelings of love are coming from. Are they coming from feeling truly uh, enriched and interested and in love with this person? Or do they come from feeling safe and loved and secure? And that's like, that doesn't make you a bad person. We're not saying that like, we're not saying that this relationship is wrong or that your feelings are insincere and that this is a rebound. We're saying it's very understandable if the comfort of this relationship is what you are seeking and feeling and up, what is upholding it is the comfort of it right now. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But it's something and worth exploring. For sure. And I know that there are lots of people out there whose relationships are comfortable and kind and mm-hmm. sustainable in that way, right? Because that's what they're both looking for. And I'll just, and also like I have been in relationships with like nice people because I got out of a relationship with a mean person or because I was like in a situationship with a mean person and it was like, oh, this person, this person actually calls me back when I call them or like, Mm -hmm. oh, this person actually like makes plans with me as opposed to like forcing me to do it all the time. And that person was really nice and I got to know that person and we had relationships and it, it wasn't about the person. It was about the kindness that they were offering me. Um, and again, there's like nothing really wrong with that. And right. I just want to like, I want to bring up the possibility that that might be something that's happening here. Not because I want to say like, you're a bad person for doing this. Cause I don't think that you are, but right. instead to say, if this is in our awareness, what do we want to do about it? Is yes. this man, is this man's kindness enough to maintain a relationship? Maybe it is. Maybe, maybe that is worth it for you. That's, and that, if so, that's great. But I don't want the narrative to be, I'm too damaged for a relationship with a nice person. This is all my fault. I want this to be a, here's the situation. Here are some of the goods and bads around both of how we're entering this relationship. Is this the relationship for me? Right. Cause that yes. is a much more sustainable way to look at it and, and a much less sort of self-defeating way of examining this. Cause I don't want you to break up with this person because you're too damaged for them. <laughs> I want right. you to break up with this person because this isn't the relationship <laughs> oh for you. Sam or is the I want you to, <laughs> I want you to stay in this relationship because it is the relationship for you. Right. I, but I can so easily see you getting down this, this path of like, I'm too damaged to be loved. And it's like, maybe you're just not loved in the right way by this person. And that is okay. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Um, I think that this gives you a lot to chew on. And mostly, Sam, and I want you to know that we are glad that you are um, in a safer, more t- nutritious place right now. And uh, the next step is to continue that journey um, into yourself, into your your understanding um, and your non-linear healing. Absolutely. And to be clear, I don't think you should break up. <laughs> 
<laughs> that was JK, not my JK. advice. <laughs> Play the tape back, put it all in context, and it, it makes good. more sense. <laughs> You're good. All right, my darling. Uh, we love you. Thank you so much for writing. We hope this helps. Our next letter comes to us from Decision Fatigued, whose pronouns are she, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from New York City. Hi, Sam and Sierra. Huge fan of the pod. Can't express how many heartbreaks you've gotten me through. I'm 27, she, her, lesbian. And two months ago, I broke up with my girlfriend, 26, she, her, of almost two years. In many ways, the breakup was a long time coming. From the start, we knew we were different. She's from the Middle East and had a conservative and extremely homophobic upbringing. I'm from New York and grew up in an extremely progressive community with lots of love and acceptance of differences and my own share of anxiety and neuroses. But we just clicked. I knew as soon as I met her that I would love her. She is magnetic and beautiful. And I also saw that she had so much capacity to love in a healthy way and showed up for me and supported me in ways that I needed. For the first year or so, our relationship was just that. I was the happiest I'd ever been. And I was I felt so grateful for her love and support every day. She would initiate relationship check-ins, make me dinner, clean my apartment, and get me little gifts. And she helped me navigate some really hard relationships I was dealing with at the time. Then she came out to her parents and it felt like the beginning of the end. I tried to support her as best I could, but everything I did felt like it triggered her. She started testing my values and criticizing me for super, superficial things like how much money I would spend on certain things or the kind of makeup I bought. And if I'm being honest, some of those behaviors started even before she came out to her parents. So I don't want to put it all on that. She herself has expressed since the breakup that she was extremely controlling of me and she knew she was, but she was so afraid to lose me. We got in a few explosive fights, one in which she left my house angry and texted me that she couldn't do this anymore, only to apologize and take it all back the next day. A week later, I told her I wanted to break up because I didn't like the way we were fighting and I didn't feel like we had a shared commitment to get better, but I was so in love that my pain the next day sent me running back to her. For a while, it got better, and then it got worse again. In our last big fight, she questioned if I had cheated on her at a party that we were both at in the same room the entire time, and she was so mad she slept on the couch that night. She also has admitted to gaslighting me. Often, when I'd bring up an issue, she would flip it on me, telling me that I was just searching for problems because I'm anxious and that I was always criticizing her and that she could never do anything right. I'd always end up apologizing. It was so crazy to think back on this now because I realized that what I thought was compassion for her, she was going through a hard time, she's going to get there, she doesn't mean this, was really making excuses for a behavior that was not okay to me. At some point, I realized that my needs had gone chronically unmet for months. My resentment was boiling over into everything. I was constantly stressed about the relationship. After that last big fight, the next day I told her I was thinking about breaking up. I had reached a limit and I felt like we just couldn't communicate and I wasn't feeling good about the relationship anymore. I don't even remember how, but the end of that conversation resulted in us not breaking up. The next week, my sister sent me one of your podcast episodes. It was the one about a guy who had bent and twisted himself in all ways to be with the girl he loved. And in the end, he was so resentful of changing himself for his partner that he cheated on her. Now, I'm not a cheater. I have too much self-awareness to do that. But my stomach dropped when I heard about this story and your response. That avoidant people's desire for closeness clouds their judgment. And that's how they end up in the wrong relationship. I felt it in every bone of my body that this was me. I identified with avoidant behaviors in myself before. And I just couldn't help but see myself reflected in this guy's history. 
I felt guilty at first and have since worked on having love and compassion for myself. And I've forgiven myself for the ways that I did repeatedly not trust my gut in this relationship and for the hurt and pain I caused my ex and myself because of it. The day I listened to this podcast, I went home, told my ex that I wanted to break up, grabbed a pair of underwear and left. I didn't leave time to talk. I was worried if we did that I would end up still in the relationship. Fast forward to two months out and I'm actually doing great. I've gotten a lot of my joy back. I'm having a fabulous time with friends. I have an amazing new apartment and I've even started exploring in my mind what my own sexual desires feel like and how to expand my life in that way. Highly recommend the book Come As You Are by Emily Nagoski. But here's the kicker. And where my question comes in. The other day, my ex reached out to me to meet up. She said she's been processing a lot and she wants to share some of that process with me and see where I'm at too. She had asked to meet up a few times immediately after it was a breakup and I said no. And at one point felt the need to block her because she wasn't respecting my boundaries. But this time I was having a good week and felt so secure in my healing process that I felt like I could handle whatever happened. And if I'm being really honest, I could tell that she wanted to apologize and some deep part of me wanted to hear that apology because I'm still hurt by the way she treated me. But also like, how could she contact you if she was blocked? You know what I mean? Like if you kept that block, this we wouldn't you wouldn't be writing us this letter. Love you. Just kidding. <laughs> when we met up, she told me so much of what I wanted to hear the whole time we were together. She told me she finally told her parents to accept her as she is or risk losing her. She confirmed that she controlled me, gaslit me, got angry at me, resented me for having parental love and acceptance that she never had. She told me she was horrified by her behavior and is now committed to doing the work in a way that she really never under- understood before. She told me She was so sorry and she loves me and she wants to spend her life with me. She even told me that she can't imagine living anywhere but New York. And one of our biggest disagreements was that she wanted to move to Europe one day. So much, so much of this was good to hear. I felt seen and acknowledged for my pain. And I felt like I could finally vocalize some of the things she wasn't able to hear from me when we were together. But I also realized that I'm still really hurt by her actions. And while part of me wants to trust her actions will match up with her words, another part of me is worried that even without the deep role homophobia played in our relationship, that those bad fights will still happen. And I decided in my healing process that my boundaries are too important to ever risk losing again. I know many aspects of our dynamic were unhealthy, and I have no desire to go back to something that is unhealthy. But part of me is still torn here. I too once mistreated someone because of my own internalized homophobia. I too had to reckon with my past self and learn self-compassion and love. I know that just because I have compassion for her doesn't mean that I should be with her, but part of me wonders if there's a little opening here where we can both start growing together and towards a shared vision again. Some of my friends and family have had really harsh responses to the idea of us getting back together. They have said that big apologies are nice, but you have a whole relationship of bad actions, that she's manipulating me again, and that they are just repeating back what I have told them. But... Others have told me to trust my gut and that I'm the only person who can make the decision. And also sometimes people do need to heal apart before they can grow together. So that is my question now. How do I figure out how to move forward here? How do I know if I want to be with her or I just want redemption for past wrongs? Do we have a therapist facilitate more conversations? Do I have to make a decision and stick to it because she doesn't deserve to be dragged along by my indecision and because we both deserve to really move on 
and heal. I feel like part of me knows what you're going to say. It hasn't been enough time. You both need to be apart before you can make this decision. And maybe you'll just say, just don't get back together because you were so clearly incompatible. But part of me is still looking for permission to consider trying this relationship again. I'm so confused. Thank you so much for your advice and for everything you do. Love decision fatigued. All right, my darling. Yeah. Decision fatigue. (laughs) I can understand why you're feeling fatigued. That's a lot of stuff that you're, you're dealing with, um, all in the course of the past few months. Like that's, that's a lot. Yeah. I feel like it is particularly difficult coming out of a very challenging relationship and then almost like whiplash hearing exactly what you were longing for, (laughs) for months for real talk about talk about really confusing like this breakup that took several breakup attempts to accomplish and then two not not two months later hearing exactly what you wanted to say like all of those wounds are still fresh oh my god i'm going back to the wound metaphor that i was like abandon people (laughs) yeah your arm it's still in the sling you know like it hasn't even yeah Yeah. you're not even in the brace yet (laughs) yes so i i don't know I'm a sucker and I probably no oh Samuel God. do not <laughs> roll your eyes at me. You don't know what I'm going to say. Uh. What I'm going to say is <laughs> quickly change his mind. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> what I'm going to say is not what Sam thinks I'm going to say, but it is probably something <laughs> that he wouldn't say. <laughs> is Great. That's I why we have this podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I absolutely understand how confusing this is and how it's possible to long so deeply for a reconciliation, not only to to receive someone's love, but to feel like you can right a wrong, to feel like this all had a purpose for the romantic aspect of it, you know, like you know, this this idea that we've been given about love that you really have to work for it. You know, everything Mm -hmm. about this I relate to because I would totally be in this situation before I'm, I absolutely have been in this situation and yes, also have been in this situation. (laughs) It's so understandable how emotionally intoxicating all of this is. And Mm, while Sam and I talk, and tell you that we don't think you should get back with this person and it is absolutely too soon and everything you already (laughs) said in your own words. I want Uh you to know that I know that this, that this scenario feels romantic or, or it feels like an entanglement. It feel it's tugging on your heart in such a real way. And we're going to try to talk logic to it, but I just, I just wanted to like make space for like that love is fucking crazy. And love gets us in crazy situations and love makes us do things that are illogical, no matter how much sense two strangers talk to us or no, or no matter what perspective, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, do I think you should get back with this person? No. If you were to write in, in a month and you were like, I listened to your advice. It made total sense. And we ended up getting back together anyway. I'd be like, totally makes sense. You know what I mean? I, there's a human <laughs> yes. aspect to, yes. to, to the irrationality of love that is 
hard to uh, make sense of sometimes. And I think that's Absolutely. what I want to like call into this conversation. Yeah, you are you are special, but you are not unique in this situation, mm-hmm. right? Like this this pull that many of us feel towards the people who have caused us harm, um, the people who we have a lot of feelings about, right? And I don't want to say feelings for necessarily, even in the situation. Like there's a lot of there's just a lot of feelings here in the proximity of this relationship. Mm-hmm which can be deeply confusing because we're like, well, if there's so many feelings and this must mean something, right? Yes. If yeah, I have you, this Sam. intense feeling about this person, <laughs> it has to be telling me something bigger about this relationship. And in fact, it's like, no, this is actually a really predictable way but that Sam. people <laughs> elicit feelings from us. Like this is deeply predictable. And I don't mean to say that in a way that's like, oh, you're so predictable, but like in a way yeah. that's like, of course you're feeling this and of course yeah. you're confused. Yeah, absolutely. And predictable in a way that it's like, okay, well, if it's predictable, then we can make some informed decisions <laughs> about what is happening around us, right? We don't have to give into this like sort of onslaught of feelings that we're having about something or tell ourselves the story that our feelings mean something different than what our feelings are actually telling us, which is that obviously you care deeply about this person. And obviously this relationship, the thing that they're saying to you is like the pleasure centers of your brain are like, yes, this is everything I wanted. This is all the things I wanted to hear. And I just want to remind you that it took you like seven times to try and break up with this person. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> You know what's so fucking funny, dude, is like I legitimately believe that this these two people should take more time apart and not like that this breakup is not has not served its purpose yet. But the pleasure yeah. centers in my brain, <laughs> like my <laughs> cultural conditioning about love and fighting for it and the romanticization of the back and forth. Something yep. in me is like resistant to the things you're saying. And this is not even my fucking relationship. <laughs> like I can just imagine um, the yeah. how how full and wild I would get off of this drama. You know, it is, it's, it's the drama of it. You know, the, this, how titillating it is that this person came back into your life, apologized, said exactly what you wanted to hear. Like that feels so good. And probably like you want to explore that. It just, it just makes so much sense. And even I am like feeling sucker punched by it. And also, I'm a stranger across the country. Well, not really. I'm north of you. Um, And I, it just has not been long enough. And I can't speak to the future of your relationship. But thinking about your avoidant attachment style right now, you're saying, I'm going to accept this love because I think that is my path to connection. Um, Mm -hmm. Accepting love that is not right for you, but looks right for you. You know, like that, it, oh, they're making yep. amends. Like we had all of these good times. Um, you're doing that thing where you are object, you know, you're doing that thing where you are forgoing your own personal instincts to for the sake of that connection. Yes. And it's not going to serve you in the long, long run, I don't think. For sure. And also because... This behavior that she's exhibiting isn't new behavior. This is mm-hmm. a this is a well worn pattern, 
right? The stakes of it might be getting bigger. And so she's pulling out different, different ways of talking to you. But this thing that happens where you get into a fight where something goes wrong and then it's like explosive and then she apologizes and then things are kind of better for a little bit and then they get worse again and like all of that stuff. This is a pattern. This is, this is why it has taken you this many times to break up with this person, right? Because this is the way in which she brings you back into relationship with her and the ways in which your brain which are focused on like this idea that like the person that is right for you is the person you can't have. Like it's, it's playing on each other, right? Like they are, Mm -hmm. they are in this sort of like symbiotic uh, bullshit machine that like brings you into, (laughs) that brings you into this heightened state of emotion, which then clouds the judgment that you have when you know that this person isn't the person for you. The way that she's behaving isn't appropriate. The way the thing that she's doing isn't isn't helpful. So I want to say like I'm saying this like really explicitly because like I know that like when you are when you're in your feelings and when you're like your pleasure centers are like activated and also like this person wants to touch you again and you're like, I just want to touch you too. Like it becomes very (laughs) hard to see outside of any of that. So I'm like trying I'm like on the sidelines just like trying to yell at you like this is a pattern. Yeah. And so I I think that. I don't know. Sierra might be right that at some point no. love can no, conquer no, no. all. No, no, no. But I'm not right now. <laughs> <laughs> My point wasn't like get back together one day. My point was like, yes. man, this is so faux romantic. And it's, you know what? It's faux not romantic. faux. Confusing. <laughs> it's very confusing. It, it's coming at yes. you from so many different angles, whether it's your attachment style, whether it's our cultural conditioning about relationships and making it work. Um, yes. You know, it's 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 everything. But you know what? I just had an epiphany of like, you're, you're like, oh my gosh, she's changed. I've changed. Should we entertain this? Two months is, we were talking earlier this episode about those like, the healing process, the revelations that we have down the line, you know, we are one layer of the onion into this. Like we are one layer of the onion into this breakup. She is one Mm -hmm. layer of her onion into, you know, having this sort of standoff with her parents. Like this is when I think about the big heartbreaks or the big life transitions that made me really have to heal and more importantly, made me really be accountable to the change I wanted in my life. Those first two months, those were, those were just practice months. Those were just like adjusting to the new temperature. I wasn't doing anything different. I was literally just getting my footing. I was just getting my footing. I was trying to figure out, okay, like who am I now without this person? How do I mm-hmm. show up now that I understand this is the way I can behave in relationships, right? I was just trying to, yep. I was trying to get the language to articulate it, you know, find the right words. I was, that's it. That's it right there. I was still in the articulation process of my yep. wound. I was still trying to find the right words to describe it. I was no ne- nowhere near being able to actualize the healing of it. Um, and everybody's right. different. Of course you can change overnight. Of course an epiphany can turn into change behavior, but all I'm saying, I don't know anything about a relationship. I don't know you two, but you could truly benefit from more time apart. And I also want to be clear that me sort of, sort of naming this pattern of behavior 
isn't meant to villainize your ex-girlfriend, right? Like right. I'm not trying to say that she's a bad person and I'm not trying to say you're a sucker for, for being Mm-mm. in this situation because your, the behavior that she's exhibiting is deeply understandable. You gave all of the reasons why I can, I can totally get why she's acting in this way. And that doesn't mean that it's acceptable. It doesn't mean that it's something that you need to go back to. And it doesn't mean that it's something that like when she suddenly has a flip of, of self action or self realization that ever, all of that behavior is going to change. So I know that this is really hard and I know that you love her and I know that you have created a lot of space for her and understanding for her and the behaviors that she's, she's exhibiting towards you. And I also want to say that like, yeah, I absolutely understand. And honestly, like I love her in the way that I love lots of people. Right. And I I can also say that like, this isn't necessarily a a good place for either of you in this moment. So give it at least some more time. Um, and give yourself more distance from this person, right? I I want you to block her for for real, for real, <laughs> not just like, oops, I forgot, right? Like for real, I want you to block this person. I want you to like delete their number. I like want you to have some space because if this relationship is ever going to be successful in the future, it's not going to happen if you two are still entangled and repeating the same patterns with each other over and over exactly. again. Exactly. You need the time and space to be able to decide how to do different things. And that is not happening right now. Yes, absolutely. I know this is complicated. I know this is like a bucket and a half of pickles, but we <laughs> Seriously. believe in this transition period, right? We believe in the growth that will come from this discomfort um, mm-hmm. and the perspective that you will get. Like, think about all of the perspective you've gotten in just the last two months. That will that will grow with time. Um, and if Absolutely. it makes, if it soothes your heart, set, set an end date, say, okay, let's reconnect in six months or let's reconnect in whatever month. Right. No, Sam is scowling at the idea, but I'm just saying like, sometimes that does <laughs> no, go for it. Help I, it would just never work for button. me. How about that? Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. My darling, we love you so much and we hope this helps. Thank you so much for writing. We love you. All right, this brings us to the blind date segment of this episode. Every show, we want to shout out something that we love, that we want to set you up with. And this week, we are sending you home with... Uh, It's a product, a website. It's called (laughs) 750 Words, um, 750words.com. And it's like a basically a place where you are asked to sit and write 750 words um, Mm. every day. So it's like a... And it's not necessarily like a write 750 words of your novel, which is like a possibility if you are somebody who's writing a novel, but it's more so just like a do a free think uh, and get some of the stuff that you're doing or thinking about out of your head and onto like a blank page. Um, And it's really cool. Um, You like ask you to do it every day. It, um, it tells you statistics about like, write what you're writing about. So it uses like some of the words that you're, you're using and saying like your entry was mostly positive or your entry was mostly negative. So it like gives you some information. It kind of like gamifies it, but, um, it's been helpful for me as somebody who like thinks too much to be able to like, just be like, okay, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to write for the next 30 minutes and try and put some form to the, the like swirl that's happening. Um, so it's been, 
it's been fun to do. I've been doing it now for like a week or so um, and have been pretty successful in it. But this actually came from Celicia Stanton, who is a friend of the podcast, um, does some awesome work on Instagram, um, has her own podcast, uh, Truer Crime, uh, and sends out like a, a quarterly newsletter about like what's going on in her life. And she's been using it. So um, shout out to Celicia for this suggestion. I've been using it. Um, so thank you for that. Awesome. That sounds great. I think I'll do it. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube at Just Break Up Pod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at JustBreakUpPod.com, which is also where you can get our merchandise. Please remember to follow, uh, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review, and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash justbreakuppod. This literally keeps our mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music producing, editing, recording, all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis. Make sure to check out his stuff on Spotify right now. And this year, 2023, is the year uh, that my next book is going to be published, my next book of poetry. Um, And I'm trying to make a concerted effort to put more poems out into the world. So for my affirmation, I'm going to share a poem that I wrote, published in my last book called Happy New Year. I love it. If the entire existence of the earth, all 4.54 billion years, were condensed into just one year, according together like a head-on collision, humans would enter the party in the second half of the last minute of the last day, just in time to fall in love with a stranger and coax the ball to drop like a disco egg and spill out a fetal new year. By then, the dinosaurs would all be asleep, blackout drunk from their 30-minute binge on earth. Imagine a world war that lasts a heartbeat, a century passed over like a page in a flip book, a baby conceived and buried as an old man in the same moment. You and I are not dinosaurs and we are not buried yet. So think of your heartache, the one festering inside you at this very moment, the poison dough nuzzling itself against your throat. Picture your anxiety, your midnight panic, your fear, your perennial doubt. Each of these becomes not even a word in the book, barely a grain of sugar in the bowl. This is not a devaluing of your pain, but a dethroning an adjustment of the microscope's lens. Look up, the fireworks have started. Kiss me, they will be gone so soon. And if all else fails, just break up.